Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can follow me at the Dan Urban. You can follow the podcast at Couchside Judges, and you can subscribe to us wherever you listen. And if you like the show, give us that five-star review. I know you're in the holiday spirit. Hand it out. And as always, we taught judging in MMA. You should learn the criteria. You can read it at abcboxing.com. Dan, we have reached the conclusion of the UFC calendar for 2021. Congratulations. It's all over. It's over. <laughs> it is all over. For the next like three weeks or four weeks. Is that going to be, am I going to get like a, like a trademark copyright violation there just for doing that? I don't know. Uh, Maybe, maybe. I would love to have Mike Goldberg on though. No, nah, Goldie, he's up. Just, just don't sue me. That's all. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so again, we are at the end of the calendar for the UFC, which is essentially the end of the MMA calendar. There are smaller shows throughout the rest of the year. There's the uh, Ryzen also has their uh, end of the year show. Um, but for all intents and purposes, we have entered the mixed martial arts offseason. The very short offseason. Very, 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 very short. I think UFC is back in four weeks or just under four weeks, but you know, I, I, I'm i sure there are other smaller shows that are going on as well. Maybe, there might even be Cage Warriors for all I know. I haven't checked uh, what's going on there, but it, it'll be nice to have a little bit of a break. A little breather. It's ball season. They don't want to compete with that. I think they, they probably... The off. I, I, if I was to guess, I think what they like to do is they like to give their teams a little bit of a time, you know, a break, a breather to kind of reassess and, yeah. and go spend their time with their families after being away for yeah the UFC keeps a busy calendar especially I'm, right. I'm so, speaking specifically about the UFC as obviously MMA is other things but it's you know the UFC is the big show yeah we all congratulate fighters for making it three times in one year let's congratulate the production team for doing it every week I do appreciate the production team um they 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 don't get a whole lot of breaks I think there there's typically 43 ish uh, events in a in a UFC calendar, they take four weeks off, like I said, and then that leaves five weeks the rest of the year. <laughs> They're just scattered here and there. So, uh, kudos to them for putting on help putting uh together the show. All the behind the scenes people, all the PR uh, and and media relations people who I work with uh, in my role with the New York Post. Uh, I I appreciate everybody's help. I hope everybody has a nice holiday and a little bit of a, a decent break. Well said. But on to, uh, I guess, technically, that's new business. We're talking about old business here because that is the fights we got to get to from Saturday's final UFC event of the year. And that was the heavyweight headlined event in which Derek Lewis knocked out Chris Dawkins, sending the year out with a bang. Derek Lewis uh, went in there, knocked out Chris Dawkins. I just said see that. See that happening? I, I thought Dawkins would, uh, would try to implement the ground game. Didn't last long enough for him to do that, and uh, traded with Derek Lewis, and he lost. I thought he took a curious approach to this. It was kind of that weird, slow range finding, almost shadow boxing ish thing that he was doing early on, and I don't know what necessarily was the approach there. I don't know if he was just going by the game plan or if maybe things strayed from it, but it, uh, nothing about it looked like he was really in a groove, I guess, in, in a way that could have really approached uh, a good fight against Derek he, Lewis here. He must be an intimidating guy to stand in front of. Uh, I mean, same thing happened with Curtis Blades. He was very timid, it seemed, when he got knocked out by uh, Derek Lewis. Like, really, DC's the only one I feel that 
that was able to to get in there and take him down. I thought Cyril Gann looked really good against him in the summer. Well, I mean, it was a different approach, yeah. but but I mean, he was fearless in his approach there. He was he was out there. He was putting up strikes. He was totally outlanding. It, it was the Gann we've all been waiting to see. Sure. I, I mean, so, we'd seen that Gann before. It was well, just he, he wasn't taking as many chances. Right. He was a much less cautious. I guess so. There. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, it, it was it was not a not a super great showing from Dawkins, but I mean credit where it was due. Derek Lewis looked fantastic when he was putting hands on. He 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 threw that what was it a, a like a roundhouse kick or like a switch kick kind of thing he threw up there, <laughs> and that was like it wasn't because of that kick necessarily because I don't think it really landed flush or anything, but it, like right after that was where the beginning of the end came for Chris Dawkins. Threw, was... It threw him off. He's like, man, this guy just threw a jumping <laughs> switch kick thing at me. Like, well, and then before he knew it. Lewis was on top of him. Well, he got so. he got Dawkins pressed up against the cage at that point, and there was really nowhere to run anymore. So it was just like, okay, now he can unload with those heavy, mm-hmm. heavy, heavy, heavy hands that Derek Lewis has. So credit to uh, uh, the one of the um, the hot groinal area. <laughs> that and was congratulations uh, to the fan that caught the cup. Yeah, what a weird. <laughs> Yeah, I said that to you after after we we just watched it right before now. I'd seen it live, but we watched it uh, again as well. I think if I was to be the the weird fan that caught that for some reason and seemed to be happy about that, the first thing I would do is immediately place it on eBay, not wash it, not do anything, just just see see what I could get while people are still talking about that because I don't want that home at my house. So you wouldn't try to you know pull it tight to Ivasa and I- and do a cuppy. I think there's holes in it. Well, you can you can cup them. I mean, I, I, my main issue, of course, is the logistical one rather than the the weird one. <laughs> uh, which no, I'm not going to do a cuppy. Get out of here, you sicko. I think Ty would have. I would. You know what? Forget eBay. I would have tra- probably tried to see if anybody in the arena wanted to buy it off me, or like get to the strip, and be like, "Yo, who wants this?" Uh, there, there's plenty of people on the strip that that might have took you up on that offer. All right, there we go. There, so there, that would have been my plan with that. Um, but but credit to Derek Lewis once again, uh, who now I I'm pretty sure this secured him the UFC's all time knockout record. He had the heavyweight record. Now he has, I believe, the all time record. And he he made sure to to say he was the first clean fighter to have that record. But I don't know that that's necessarily true. I mean. I mean, who who really knows? But I I believe he overtook or he broke a tie with Matt Brown, who I don't know that anybody really suspected him. I don't remember him testing positive for anything like no, that. No, so. no, I'm just I'm just pointing out that's what he said. Yeah, well, he could say a lot of things. He does so, say a lot of things. In fact, he's a funny guy. He he can be a funny guy sometimes. But uh, yeah, this uh, <laughs> it's funny because this this probably wasn't necessarily the desired result. I would think from the UFC standpoint, not, not that they had disliked Derek Lewis, but Derek Lewis obviously is not going to be remotely close to another fight with Cyril Gann. If Gann wins the fight with Francis Ngannou next month, then what are they going to do? It's not like Derek Lewis is going to be in there anytime soon, like I said. Um, I guess there's potential for once the heavyweight division kind of clears out a little bit, they could finally put together like that weird rematch that nobody seems to want because of the first fight with Francis Ngannou, oh, even boy. though it would be like a weirdly fascinating fight. I don't know if it would be any different, though. This is the more I think about it. So I kind of hope it never happens. But you'd have to think it would have been better off from the UFC's perspective only that Derek Lewis didn't win and that Chris Dawkins became a, a you know potential heavyweight challenger in 2022. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with, with heavyweight, it's not the deepest division, so you can kind of they're kind of forced to push these guys 
They, there's no no slow burn in the heavyweight division. No, but they're in this weird area right now that they're they're kind of held up because you know obviously they have the the title fight they have. Um, but then you know John Jones, what's going on with him now? Now his his supposedly stuff in April. Vegas is is supposedly done. Now you know we'll we'll see if they really put that together. Because look, I. I'm old enough to remember when John Jones was supposed to fight Francis Ngannou, like in the moments after Francis Ngannou won the title. And that didn't even make it to the Dana White press conference before the narrative changed. Apparently, Hunter was the one doing the negotiations or something. Oh, Hunter Campbell. The the guy who deals the all the legal stuff. Yeah, yeah he he's instrumental to a lot of the um, the stuff behind the scenes. Uh, he's a hard man to get a hold of, too, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> At one point, I did try to see if I could get a, a comment from him. And they're like, yeah, he doesn't really do that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's a few people. I think he talks to Brett Akamoto at ESPN, but I, there's really just not that many people he'll he'll talk to. Uh, Brett's obviously in with a different yeah, – he's got access to different people than, than a lot of people do. So, um, But, yeah, I, I, heavyweight, obviously, we'll, we'll, have, we'll be back in the spotlight again. Next month, when the UFC is back with its next pay per view, with that title fight that we've been referencing, and, and we'll see what happens. But uh, for now, Derek Lewis, he he's the heavyweight who gets his hand up uh, at the end of the year. So good for him. Congratulations to Derek Lewis. And that was our uh, heavyweight hullabaloo, as it's been uh, referred to. The mumbo on... jumbo. Mumbo jumbo. Excuse me. Heavyweight mumbo jumbo is was referred to on our outline by uh, one Dan Urban. Uh, which now we will move on to the welterweight hullabaloo. Uh, again, Dan's uh, Dan's words. And he he puts together outlines a little differently than I do, but that's okay. Uh, I think uh, welterweight hullabaloo probably qualifies as wow. Look at Bilal Muhammad. I think he's this guy's a name we probably should yeah. remember, right? <laughs> yeah, we should should remember it. Maybe that's what Joe Rogan was going at because he looked pretty good. He looked excellent. So, and honestly. I didn't think it was going to happen, and I really ought to have. I felt like I didn't think it was going to be this dominant. I couldn't have imagined it being that dominant, but I really should have seen the writing on the wall that this was a fight that he could win. And I remember distinctly telling somebody earlier in the night, like, oh, yeah, he, he, I'd be surprised if Bilal Muhammad won this fight. So, you know, egg on my face. I think it's just because we're used to Wonder Boy giving so many people fits. So. I think so. Yeah. I and But, you know, credit to Bilal Muhammad. He looked terrific. Um, I'm curious how far he can go in this division. I don't, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be a champ, but I, he's obviously got to be up there in the, you know, the higher part of the, you know, I guess he'd be more in the middle part of the rankings now because he was 10. I hate the UFC's rankings, but he was 10. Wonderboy was five. So you got to think maybe they meet somewhere in the middle. Maybe, maybe Muhammad was up to seven. I don't know where the, who else is ranked there. I don't really care because again, I hate their rankings, but. Um, this is a big win for him. It's an it's an impressive win. It's a good one to add. It's it's easily the best on his resume. Yeah, and he looked really good doing it. He so. did. He did. I mean, again, part of this I think is matchup though, because once once you get your hands on him and you get Wonder Boy down, it's not like Wonder Boy's going to give you much down there. Yeah, that's true. And <laughs> I think we knew that before, and and it totally manifested now that now that he's getting up there in age, it's, it's not looking like he could do any better. So I'm curious to see where where uh, what they do with Bilal Muhammad now. I wonder if he'd be an interesting matchup for like Hamzat Shemaev. Is there any truth to Hamzat fighting Colby next? I thought that was like almost a done deal. I unless it could be just some rumor stuff that I've seen. I wouldn't buy it until you know 
Okay. It starts getting confirmed by the right people, and I haven't seen that. So I, I yeah, I wouldn't buy into that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be down to see. I mean, I kind of. I mean, think... that one. Uh, yeah, I'd be interested in Colby versus Hamzat too. That that would also be interesting. But I, I just it, we'll see it. Because I mean, after the fight, obviously he called out Usman. Everyone calls out the champ, and then he said, "If that doesn't happen, I want Leon." He said, uh, "I deserve that rematch." Yeah. So... No. I well, I, I think so too. I think that'd be interesting, and I do. I will say. A, a rematch for Leon Edwards between him and Bilal Muhammad starts to seem a little bit more interesting now with this victory. Now, yeah, now it's a, a bit more. But I, I still, I still think Leon Edwards has earned a, a better fight than that, and it's <laughs> not even disrespectful of Bilal Muhammad. I think it's just Edwards has been doing so much for so long. Yeah, I mean, he I, was scheduled. I, he, to ought fight. To, he ought to fight for the title, really. He really should. But uh, he was scheduled to fight Masvidal. I thought he and deserved, that fell apart. I thought yeah. he deserved a better fight than that. Um, yes. I would think at this point, Masvidal and Muhammad are on like kind of the same level in terms of rankings, uh, anyway. So sure, yeah, I understand that. Um, we'll see what they do with him. But Wonder Boy, gosh, I don't know what you do with him anymore. I think he, you know, he he distinctly was better than Jeff Neal when they fought a year ago, and he was distinctly worse than Gilbert Burns and Bilal Muhammad. So I think at this point now, we're looking at a Wonder Boy that is. Pretty much like a distinctly like bottom top ten, probably not much better. You put him in there with strikers to make it interesting. Uh, hopefully, Masvidal. someone will be a little more honestly. Yeah, yeah, I mean we've seen that fight, but I fine. Do it again, whatever. Let's go. That's fine. Yeah. Is that is that all the welterweight uh, hullabaloo that we need? I think so. I think we could probably move yeah. on to the because we do have a lot of contested rounds actually from this one. It was uh, I I don't want to say it was like a, a sloppily judged event or anything like that just because there were eight rounds uh, and you know. <laughs> As it turned out, you and I weren't even on the same page for a lot of these, so we're going to get into it uh, right away, starting with the split decision that, of course, had everybody up in arms. Uh, this is no surprise, the name that we're finding with the split decision, especially her being on the opposite end uh, that she preferred to be. Amanda Lemos got the victory over Angela Hill. The scores were 30-27, 29-28, and then the other way, 29-28, excuse me, for Hill. Rounds two and three are our contested rounds. After a very clear, Angela Hill lost the first round. She got knocked down, the front kick. She fought back, but very clearly couldn't have taken it back. So no one, no one's disputing that. So why don't we dive into round number two, sir? What's going on here? Yeah, I thought uh, Lamos landed some solid rights, good kicks in the round. I thought Hill didn't really end much at distance outside of her jab, and she didn't really have much impact on her strikes. I think her best strike comes after they clinched. There was a lot of clinching in this round where, where they're exchanging knees, both both pretty decent knees coming from both sides. When they break, she lands a really solid elbow. Later in the round, right? Yeah. So I, I thought that was really her best strike. Um, I mean, Lemos was landing some pretty decent ones to the body in the uppercut in the clinch. I would say Hill had the clinch advantage, though. I think she was landing a bit more knees. I just think that the impact is coming from Lemos' side, so I'm 10-9 her. I was tempted to give this round to Lemos, too, actually, but I, I did see it for Hill. Um, I just think that ultimately Hill had both the volume, and again, she had that nice strike at the end that I think kind of put a, a punctuation mark on it for me. Um, yeah, I wouldn't dispute that probably there is there is some better impact coming from Lemos, and you, do, you are supposed to give more weight to the immediate over the cumulative, but I did think it was just enough for Hill to be able to overcome that because again she had a little bit of you know decent impact later in the round as well. Um, hard to dispute you with this one though. It, it, this was a tough round, a lot of tough rounds to score I think on this whole card. Um, so I, I did see it for Hill just the same way as uh, Junichiro Camillo and Mike Bell did. 
you were uh, in step with Doug Crosby, actually. Me and Doug. Yeah. <laughs> Round three, though, uh, again, we have another split here. So just to update. Two judges have it tied at one round apiece, which means, really, the fight is still up in the air coming into round three. Yeah, this, this is an important round. So what's happening? Uh, really close round again, I think. Uh, right in the beginning of the round, Liam Mush lands that front kick again to the face that she landed in round one. Not quite as, Not as quite I don't as think she landed strong. real stiff, yeah. It seemed and, like a, maybe like a glancing blow. It is weird. With some of these fights, Like you see someone get rocked early, but they survive, then they get hit with similar strikes later. It's like, you wonder if your body does something like where it, where it makes it used to it, so it doesn't feel as much anymore. I, I, I don't, don't know. It's I weird, wouldn't go right? that far. I just thought this strike just didn't land quite as flush. I, that's what it looked like to me. Yeah, I, I still thought it was pretty solid. Right. Um, but anyway, I, I, again, I don't think Hill's landing any shots that have much impact on them, at, at least at distance. She was doing really well in the clinch again. You know, she had some good solid knees. Uh, but I just think Lamos has the impact edge, and uh, th- that's where I'm at. I-, I-, I don't have an issue if someone scored it for Hill, but uh, I-, I think this is Lamos 10-9. That's how the whole fight kind of felt, just no, a slight edge to her. No, honestly, this round, I, I saw this one for Hill. I-, I saw it again opposite of you. Uh, it was just me and Mike Bell this time, so I actually had the same scorecard entirely as Mike Bell did. You had the same scorecard as uh, Judge Camillo. Oh, excuse me, of, of Judge Crosby. Yeah. Uh, Judge Camillo also joined you on the Lemos side for this round, but I thought Hill, I, I thought this was very close again, but I, I actually did think Hill had some pretty good impact overall as well. So I, I while I thought that maybe there is a better argument for the for round two that, that Lemos won uh, the impact overall, but not necessarily the volume, I thought this was close, and I did think Hill actually had enough impact. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm just seeing this wrong. Maybe I'm tired. Who knows? <laughs> but Well, here, here's the thing. I feel every time she's throwing any of her power shots, she's either missing or it's it just not there. Like, it's getting blocked or something. Mm. I think all her other, like, her volume strikes are fine. It's just, there's really nothing powerful behind them. It's kind of how I feel. I mean, that, I will say this. Angela Hill's, uh, I would say, sitting from my seat at home, Angela Hill's entire problem with her game and her the fine the way she finds herself in these split decisions all the time, these close decisions and and all these things where she can't get finishes, she just doesn't have enough power behind her strikes. I don't know if it's she's not putting enough into it or she's just she doesn't have it at this level to to get those finishes because she's an I think she's a pretty solid striker. I think she's got pretty decent technique uh, on the whole. She smashed Hannah Cyphers on the ground. Yeah, I, I like, thought one of her best assets so. was when she was able to get it to the ground and work some ground and pound. But it, she's she's now mixing in the wrestling. We saw her try to mix in the wrestling. It just wasn't working out as well. I don't know. I, I, I do think that there's just a, a power deficiency there at this weight class even that's just it's making it very difficult for her to get what I think she'd want, which is a much more definitive result. Uh, you know, she gets them from time to time, but this this caliber opponent, she just seems to find herself in a close fight that could go either way, and for whatever reason, she always ends up on the wrong end. That's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And she's so likable that everyone comes running to her defense no matter what. I mean, they're calling this fight a robbery. It, it's far from a robbery. This is not a robbery. So, no, 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 no. It, I mean, I think she's even buying into it. Like, Verdict is posting crazy stuff saying she was robbed $73,000. Like, Come on, dude. Get out of here. Well, that's verdict for you. I mean, they, they're doing anything to kind of rile up people and get into their their like little, like, oh, go with the global scorecard. It's so stupid. It is dumb. Not a fan of that either, but eh, what can you do? I, I I don't think 3027 for Liam Osh is crazy. I really don't. 
I saw it 29 and 28 for Hill, but I don't think your scorecard or, or again, the actual scorecard that counted, Doug Crosby's, I don't think it's crazy. Yeah, when I watched live, I tried to watch it live so I could just enjoy the fights. And I, I, I put I pointed out, I said that felt like a 30 27 Lamos mm-hmm. to me, but I could be wrong. And then when, when the, the only 30 27 came back was Doug Crosby, I was like, oh, all right, maybe I don't feel so great about it being 30 27. Yeah, I would say the scorecard so, isn't crazy from Doug Crosby, but. Is the judge crazy? (laughs) Uh, I'll let you at home be the judge. (laughs) Moving on to the co-main event of this one, which again was Bilal Muhammad getting the win over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. But the scores here are 30-26 twice and a 30-25. We have splits in rounds one and three, but only, of course, a 10-8-9 split. So let's start with round one. Dan, why are we talking about this as a maybe 10-8? Yeah, so so it was quite obvious Bilal's strategy was to smother Thompson, not give him any room to attack. Are you sure? Executed it you know, pretty perfectly. Okay. Uh, although for the first minute, pretty much, of round one, Thompson was easily able to defend. He actually was winning the striking exchanges uh, for as, as brief as it lasted. Until they got down and they were at the cage and they were both hitting each other. <laughs> they get into a hockey fight on the ground, goofy, which I never saw. That was a goofy thing. <laughs> uh, clearly in that exchange, Muhammad, he's got the upper hand. It, it definitely, with the immediate impact, there's really not much coming back from Wonderboy in, the, in that hockey fight. Like I don't think either said. one of them's doing a ton, though. No, I mean, yeah, but I mean, it's it's. I thought it was pretty clear Muhammad had the edge there. Uh, it's really a lot of a grappling for most of that next, like, three minutes. And then the final 60 seconds, Muhammad's able to get the back, flattens him out. And just starts teeing off on him. For the first 30 seconds, the punches I thought were solid. 30 seconds of this of sequence. This, 30 seconds of this flattened out landing punches sequence. The gloves are coming up, but I mean, I still think the impact's there. I thought he was still landing pretty hard. He's never getting worn by Herb Dean, so that's kind of like, okay, maybe are they really that strong? But as Muhammad starts getting tired, they started turning to more pitter-patter. And uh, that's how, you know, you know he's going to make it out of the round here. Mm-hmm. So what is it, I sir? St- is it an eight or a nine? I thought the damage was there. I thought the dominance was there. And I thought the duration was there. I went 10-8. The entire argument for this being an 8 or a 9 is this final minute. This sequence oh, of you're course. talking about. Yes. This is the only thing that, that could really tip you there. And I think if you'd asked me if this was a 10-8 or a 10-9 in February this year, I would have said, oh, this is a 10-8. This is obvious. Uh, no question. But and, and granted, two out of three judges saw this as a 10-8. But I, I guess I'm just so thrown off now by what the definition of a 10-8 is 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 intended to be by you know the judges by the commissions that that expect these things from the judges especially the nevada commission uh it, it's it's very much thrown off my compass i guess for what i understand a 10-8 or a 10-9 to be so i'm sitting here i'm watching this and i think it's a 10-9 based on what they're supposed to be doing and and sure enough you get enough eights here i I guess that's my long-winded way of saying i scored it a nine but i wish it was an eight and apparently it was so i'm not even mad (laughs) i you know the 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 two judges that saw it the same way as you the eight uh were crosby and mike bell uh so again you you're basically just doug crosby's doppelganger on our show today that's that's what it is yeah well here's it i mean doug doug just 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 keep your opinions to yourself doug kind of sometimes sees Doug's way, Doug's uh, criteria. It sure looks that way, doesn't um, it? But Mike Bell, you know, in the past, we've known him to be very uh, lenient towards the 10-8. He is easily the most willing to give uh, a 10-8, statistically speaking. I mean, you can data backs this up. And, and 
your score ten nine is backed by one of the most respected guys in the game. So Sal D'Amato, yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page as him. He's he's essentially the uh, the godfather of of modern MMA judging, more or less. I guess you could probably call him. Uh, I I feel fine being on that on that side there. But but again, it's it's a situation where I I wish this was a ten eight. And I guess it kind of was. I don't know. Well, it might. What of, do we know? What lot. the heck do we know? We've been doing this show two years now. <laughs> I feel like we've learned so much, and now we're doing this end of the year 2021 <laughs> show, and it's like I don't know what we're I'm all talking confused. about. I just don't know anymore. <laughs> well, what really? And threw I bet me you off. the judges feel that way too. What threw me off is Herb gave no warning. He was just willing to let Wonder Boy just eat shots and not, you know, tell him to improve his position, start fighting back. So maybe they strikes weren't that hard. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, again, judges Crosby and Bell and D'Amato, they're the ones who are sitting there. Uh, they can sense, get a sense better sense of the uh, the efficacy of the strikes, uh, how impactful they are and that kind of thing. They mm. sure didn't look enough to me to say that the damage was there, but could be wrong. Uh, but round three, though, we do have, again, another 10-8-10-9 uh, split in this fight. Why are we talking about this as, a, as an eight? Yeah, so I don't think anything that Bala Muhammad landed was all that hard, but pretty much Wonderboy does absolutely nothing in this round besides a strong guillotine attack. I thought this was a very good guillotine attack because it forces Muhammad to kind of desperately drop to his back to get out. But then they're back on the ground, and Muhammad's just pushing this relentless pace. But his punches don't seem that strong. You know, Wonderboy just can't keep up. He's totally defensive. Uh Muhammad finally passes the side, gets a brief crucifix, does land some solid elbows. I thought those were pretty good. But in a round where, you know, a losing fighter is basically doing nothing and the winning fighter is actually pushing to finish in quite dominant fashion, I thought, I think we got to go 10-8. Honestly, Dan, the problem I have with going on 8 in this one, and I actually felt a little easier about going on 9 in this round um, and seeing it the same way as Doug Crosby. You saw it the same way as Bell and D'Amato. Uh, again, <laughs> the two are the two judges that I trust a lot more. Uh it's just the way it is. I thought that a lot of the things that, especially the ones with with much more uh, intentions on them, I guess, from Bilal Muhammad, I thought they were getting blocked. I thought they were getting deflected. Okay. I thought they weren't really landing flush. And, and I think it comes down to, and, and honestly, the numbers when you look at the UFC stats numbers, they do match what I was watching live. I really thought these were getting blocked live. And okay. then I look, and it, I think the numbers were on. On significant strikes, which I think <laughs> regular listeners know how I feel about that term, but on significant strikes, it was like four to three in favor of Bilal Muhammad or something like that, which that that sounds a little funny to me too. But but even at that, I, I think it speaks to what I was seeing, which was, again, a lot of this stuff's not landing flush or, or landing with very much impact. So I, four... I, have, I have a lot of problems giving this uh, to be the damage that you're looking for okay. to to clear the the 10-8 bar in in the current state of uh, MMA judging, but again, there this is very much a Bilal Muhammad round almost entirely throughout, save for you know the uh, all, all the you know the myriad not myriad but very few things that uh, Wonder Boy was doing early on. I would give this an eight if I could back in February, but now this seems actually much more solidly to be a nine today. All right, that's fair. I I just thought you know. 
he's pushing a pace. It's quite relentless. Maha- and what really tipped me to eight is that Wonder Boy did nothing. You're right. There so, is that too. But again, it, it comes down to damage. Damage is the bar you have to clear now. It is, but it's not written that way yet. It's <laughs> so, not written that way, but it's the so, way they're supposed to do it. And then the way yeah. it's ultimately, it sounds like it will be. And I, But I hope not. I really hope it doesn't go there. I mean, mm. I, I like the way things are where this ought to be a 10-8 round because this... I, no one's sitting there saying, oh, wow, Wonder Boy was really in this round. <laughs> if you're not in that round, like the bar ought to be if this guy is not in the round, if this woman's not in the round, like don't they shouldn't get you got to earn your nine. Mm-hmm. You know, you, your judges say that you got to earn the nine. Um, uh, Sean Sheehan, who was on the show last week, he, he mentioned that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Wonder Boy earned the nine in this round. Well, what takes what? What do you get? What What do you get first? Do you earn the nine or do you earn the eight? Which, which takes? Uh, I don't know the right word. But I can't. I think, a precedence. Yeah, I, guess. I can't answer that. I have yeah. no idea. I, that I would be speculating. I really don't. Because you could say, did he earn an eight or did he earn a nine? Which Which way do you go? Yeah, I don't know. Um, either way, I I like this again. This is a round that I feel like would be totally fine as an eight, but based on my understanding or misunderstanding of the criteria as it's supposed to be interpreted now, even if it's not written that way, this ought to be a nine. So I'm fine with you going the eight. You're you're speaking to my heart, but <laughs> it is what it is. And ultimately it yeah. does it just doesn't matter because this was a total lopsided win and we must remember the name, Bilal Muhammad. We will remember it. hmm I, I never forgot it to be fair. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> moving on, we do have one more uh, fight that went to a decision to talk about. And then we have two uh, little rounds in, in some early, uh, well, not early stoppages, but stoppages. Uh, Charles Jordan, Jordan, excuse me, uh, got the win uh, in dominant fashion over Andre Yule. Unanimous decision 30-27, 29-27, and 30-26. So we've got you know a little bit of variance here. Rounds one and three are the rounds in question. Now, round one... We're just talking about who won the round. So there's a there's discrepancy there. What happens here? This is a, a fun round. I think more fights should be like this, where both guys are willing to engage, take some risks. Uh, on the whole, I think Jordan's landing the cleaner, harder shots. I think Yule is catching a lot of leather uh, with his punches. A lot of lot of block shots there. Uh, Jordan did a really good job of covering up not to not eat these punches. You know, too flush. Thought he had some good leg kicks, good body work. Uh, that helped me sway it in his favor. Uh, ultimately, I was just seeing stronger impact from Jordan. It did seem, though, when I watched it live, uh, that commentary was kind of had a slight lean towards Yule, but I'm on Jordan 10-9. No, that's fair. Um, I think I see what you mean as far as the commentator there, but I, I did see this one for Yule, who I just thought the activity, and I didn't think that Jordan was winning the uh, the impact battle to that much of a degree, at least based on my interpretation of the action. Uh, although some of the punches that I'm seeing you will throw out there, are like <laughs> he's just kind of winging these things out there. I'm like, man, you're, you're waiting to get countered. It wasn't really manifesting at that point in the fight, but it just, it was, <laughs> you just want to see tighter strikes, I guess, coming from this guy. Well, yeah, it felt like every time he was, he would back him up with shots, but it felt like he was hitting gloves. Yeah, now we're forcing him back. Yeah, no, I I think that's probably fair. But I did I I did see this one for Yule. I thought it was very close. Uh, Junichiro Camillo and I were were in lockstep on this one, whereas you were the same as Sal D'Amato and Brian Miner. Uh, seeing this one for Jordan, close round. I I honestly can't argue it too much. Re- realistically, um, and entertaining. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Entertaining round. Entertaining fight on the whole. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a good fight. Um, but we will skip ahead to round three because the second round went to Jordan. And the third one definitely did, but it was to what degree? Are we talking about an eight or a nine? So let's let's get on that. Yeah, obviously, great round for Jordan. But for like the first three minutes, Yule's still fighting. I mean, it's clearly in Jordan's favor. But I mean, it's not like Yule's out of it completely. He's still landing some good shots. Uh, there's no D's check to this point. And then Jordan lands a strong knee to the body. And Yule's clearly hurt from it. I just don't think what followed it really gets him there to the eight. I mean, it's right there, though. I, you, I, you don't I, like the Leonidas kick? Is that the problem? I mean, it's right there. I wish. <laughs> I, w- I, I love that it got, got two 10-8s. Yeah, it got two 10-8s. It got two 10-8s? Yeah, minor in uh, Kamijo. I just don't think outside of damage, uh, I don't believe there's anything. And I don't believe that damage was uh, super highly diminishing where you don't need the other two Ds or any other D to, to get there. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think he checked any of those two. Yeah, I didn't either. This is the, by the way, the first time we, we've actually agreed on a round this entire <laughs> breakdown, or at least the rundown in the order that we decided to uh, put it in, uh, is about time we were on the same page. I, I have trouble seeing this one as as a ten eight. I I guess I just didn't think that it got to the degree. Uh, again, I want to point out how much I would love for ten eights to be given out a lot more often. <laughs> Like, I'm not against this being a 10-8. I just, uh, my understanding, and could very well be a flawed understanding. I'm open to that notion that my understanding is totally flawed. But my understanding is that this one doesn't necessarily hit. I mean, it's harder to check off, I think, dominance and duration in this round. So you're really just talking about damage, at least in my mind. Right. And I didn't think the damage was so high that, like, you'd really get there. Right, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I saw this as a nine, just as you did. Like those, and and Saldamato too. Same page as as uh, like as, what what did I call him? The Godfather of modern MMA <laughs> judging. Yeah, is that what I did? Oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. I, I I put out a bold proclamation <laughs> there, and I'm not just saying that because he's Sicilian. <laughs> but like the front headlock knees to the head. I thought they were good shots. I didn't think they were all that diminishing now to where like like I said that. If the damage is so high, the other two don't matter. This feels like maybe so, like like a ten eight and a half. You know what I mean? Like 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 they would say. Yeah, I would I would think so. Certain judges will say that, and kind of hearkening back to the uh, the days of the potential half point scoring system that we all like to. Yeah, anyone old enough to remember it, or anyone who's watched it, <laughs> the sport long enough and remembers when that was a thing. We've talked about it here and there on the show. Uh, but yeah, so we were uh, we were on the same page as uh, Judge D'Amato, who was by himself. So, Dan, what does that mean? Oh, couch side over. <laughs> Welcome to the club again. And uh, so, yeah, that was, that was it for the decisions. Like I said, we do have uh, round one in fights that didn't end or that ended early. Excuse me. Starting with Raquel Pennington getting the win over Macy Chaisong. Round two submission with a 10-finger guillotine. Dan, what happened in round one? Because we're talking about who won this round. Yeah, so early, I mean, it's a very close round, I thought. Uh, early on, Chason lands a nice three-piece combo, and that's kind of it. Uh, for the first half of the round, it's, it's Chason's round, but it's not by very much. It's basically because of that combo. Pennington didn't really land much in that period of that round. And then she finally starts landing. Getting out of the way of Chason's counters, I think she has some decent work in the clinch. The heaviest offense of the round comes when they break from the clinch. It's kind of a firefight. Both landed heavy punches. I favored Pennington. I think they felt stronger. What makes this round kind of weird is Chason gets a takedown, but nothing of significance happens. I mean, she's hammer fisting the leg, which was kind of weird. I don't really think anything effective is there. I so. mean, you can do it. It's. I don't, I don't <laughs> think it's 
Yeah, I mean, it's not ideal. <laughs> uh, I'm on Pennington 10-9. I saw this as a Pennington round as well, um, more or less for the reasons you did. I, I, it's, it's a close enough round. I'm not arguing too much uh, one way or the other here. Um, Sal D'Amato, Dave Hagen, they saw it the same way we did. Mike Bell was uh, the out judge on this one. No big deal. All good. And it didn't matter. We, uh, Like I said, we had to finish in the next round. Uh, and then again, we have uh, to wrap up our contested rounds for 2021. Gerald Mershart, who got a round three submission, rear naked choke victory over Dustin Stolzfus. We're talking about round one as who won this inconsequential round. What happens in it? Yeah, I kind of feel we shouldn't be talking about this round. Well, we are. So uh, I thought it was pretty clear round for Mershart. On the feet, he definitely wins. He he starts the round. As soon as the bell rings, he hits a strong one-two to open the fight. Solid body kick. Only thing Stoltzfus has, I think, is one leg kick. Maybe one right hand before it's on the ground uh, for the final four minutes and 20 seconds. Mearshart's on top, attempting to pass. Stoltzfus pretty much defensive, but, you know, Mearshart's really not doing much in terms of subs or ground and pound. Eventually, you know, there's a scramble. Mearshart attacks a knee bar. Wasn't really close. Scrambles some more. Stoltzfus gets on top and turtle. Landed like two decent elbows, but they're not very strong. Mearshart rolls for a sick armbar. He finishes this sub of the year. Easy. <laughs> no doubt. I thought it was pretty tight. Stoltzfus, you know, he stays tough. He's able to get out, uh, stays on top and side control, just holding position. I thought this was uh, pretty clear for Mearshart 10-9. Yeah, I did too. I, I'm a little surprised we are talking about it, like you said. Um, it, yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't have a ton to add to it other than just the fact that why I'm a little surprised. I don't think it's... Let me ask you this. Is this a bad score? To go 10-9 Stoltzfus. Just wh- where do you think that is? I don't want to call it bad. I just want to call it wrong. Like, I don't know. So, okay. <laughs> like, I guess I guess that's pretty much just different nomenclature for the same thing. I mean, cause, I mean, he lost kind of every aspect except having side control. I mean, yeah. but he didn't do anything with it. I, I definitely so, thought the more immediately impactful offense is coming from Mearshart, like, and that's really what you're scoring. Like the 40 seconds it was on the feet was Mearshart. Yeah, and then on the ground, he's the one attacking, you know, the subs. Yeah, so. I, I, I would feel really good about this one being a Mershart round. So same way as Doug Crosby and Rick Winter with uh, Tony Weeks again. He was he was actually the uh, the one who was on the other end of this one as the out judge. So it is what it is. It didn't matter. Mershart <laughs> took the took uh, the decision out of everybody's hands with uh, a, a very slick rear naked choke finish, which. Was that your favorite finish, actually, Dan? Yeah, that was my favorite. I yeah, I had a feeling, I, not just because you'd put it on uh, as your favorite finish, and I see it on our notes, but even even watching it, I'm like, this seems like a Dan one. Yeah, I mean, well, Mirsha was fading, so it didn't seem like it was going his way, and then he was able to pull out the uh, this nice choke. He's so. a finisher. That that dude lives to finish fights or get finished. Paul, Paul, Paul Felder even said he goes, Gerald, why do you got to make it so heart wrenching or or or, <laughs> or nerve wracking? For your friends and family, just just go take care of business. I know, right? <laughs> Easy for you to say, Paul. <laughs> Mister, I just I just do Iron Man's now. But <laughs> what's your uh, favorite? Uh, my favorite of, and by the way, we should say there were ten finishes uh, on this card. It was a very busy card, very active card. But yeah, there were ten finishes. Uh, seven by TKO or KO, three submissions, and uh, three of these fights ended in the first round. But well, yeah, real quick, also, yeah. which UFC posted, this is the third uh highest finishes in the modern UFC era. Yeah, ten, I believe it. So, which is funny that we had so many rounds to break down. They, yeah, they've and had my goodness, they've had two other cards. Uh. That had 11. Okay. 
I buy that. Interesting. Uh, thank you for pointing that out. No, my favorite finish, though, was the one that actually kind of kicked off the whole thing was uh, Jordan Levitt. Inverted triangle on Matt Sales. Uh, if you hit an inverted triangle, I'm sorry. It's, it's kind of a default pick. You should, yeah, that, that that's a solid, solid That was the solid. other one where I was almost like, wow, you didn't pick that. But I understood why <laughs> you picked uh, Mershard. That, that didn't really surprise me. But mm. yeah, the, the inverted triangle demands attention. You know what it was? They'll say, no, it's not that tight. It's not that tight. Next thing you know, he's tapping. That's, that's <laughs> just not that tight. Oh, it's tight enough that he finishes? My bad. Guess I didn't know. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to know when you're not really in there. You know? Kind of felt like Matt Sales was fighting that the entire time before it was over. Mm. Like he, he, he was in trouble on the ground the whole time. Well, I, I think so, Jordan Levitt is a problem on the yes, ground. Yeah, he, that's, yes. that's really what it comes down to. The guy does, I think he's only, they landed something like in his three fights. I think he's only landed like 16 punches or something like that. And I think he's like three and oh or something. <laughs> so he's, he's almost like a Damian Maya-esque, like early Damian Maya. Do you remember when, when Maya was first in the UFC and, and it was, his whole thing was like, I kind of want to win a fight without having to punch anybody. I don't remember that. I, I remember distinctly he wasn't really into that. To be honest, when I first... My first like recollection of Damian Maya is not a good remembrance of him. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Oh god. Yeah. Hit me. It's uh, it's it's the one where he decided that he was going to try and strike <laughs> with uh, Nate Marquardt. Yeah. It and that lasted all of what 10, 12 seconds. He got flattened. Oh my and... god, he got flattened. Like <laughs> it is like I, in my head because I'm I haven't watched this in a long time, but in my head, my memory has twisted it so that he got punched and then he got like rolled around in the air yeah. like a couple of times before he landed. Like a cartoon. Yeah. That and also his his awful awful fight versus Chris Weidman. That was terrible. That, that was, was on Fox. Fox. Was, yeah. uh, the second Fox event. The, the first one that was like their the first of their deal with like actually multiple fights instead of that heavyweight title fight. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, that was that was kind of stinker. That was a bad fight. It was a bad fight. But, but that uh that is it for this event. That is it for contested rounds and and that pretty much does it for this show for the year other than we're gonna we'll have a couple shows coming up uh during the the hiatus from the ufc uh in the coming weeks we'll, we'll go over to the data from 2021 i'm, I'm compiling that trying to punt, crunch the numbers and hopefully come up with some interesting revelations from the year see trends maybe where things are going um i hope you guys i know i know a lot of people were very interested in that last that year that was like one of our favorite show it was yeah. one of our most popular listens last year from as far as downloads so I, I hope the same thing can happen this year hopefully we can give you some other interesting tidbits to learn uh about the way judges are judging fights this year um and then of course we'll have the judges our award show that'll we'll do them in separate uh separate shows we'll break it up i think there'll be too much to do yeah. two in one but uh get get your uh get your addresses in so we can send the <laughs> the 13,000 uh carat gold trophies <laughs> to your houses it, it's it's gonna be regular ground mail though so if they get stolen it's not our fault so you may not what, get them what do you, what do you say we we send out nft judges i am very anti-nft okay. <laughs> all right i i think it's a it's a ponzi scheme <laughs> it, it's basically I, i'm pretty much i'm i'm almost like entirely convinced that nfts are just like a money laundering scheme oh i'm sure you can use it for that yeah Pretty no, 100%. So. It's got to be. <laughs> I I only imagine that's what it is. So if I ever decide that I'm going to have like my own mafia, I'm most definitely going to embrace NFTs, and I will be a huge fan. Fontana family. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Fontana crime family. Yeah, that's us. 
Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. Uh, we will be back again next week, likely on Tuesday. Yeah, I think we're gonna we'll we'll push a day back. We got a lot of busy stuff on the holidays. We'll take the time, and then we'll we'll get you guys in the middle of the week, Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. We'll see. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Take care, everybody. Enjoy your Christmas if you celebrate. If you don't, have have a nice uh, Saturday. <laughs>